Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and I'm with Zulon International Bible Institute. If you'd like to know more about us, you can look us up at zulon.org, X-U-L-O-N.org. We're working on some new projects, as I'm working on numerous podcasts, and then moving into uh, YouTube videos, and we're working on our barn. We literally have a barn that we are taking and moving, making into a studio. Oh, we're not spending a fortune on it, but making it practical for us. And we really could use your prayers. And if you feel that financially support-wise, you could help us, then go to our site, zulon.org, X-U-L-O-N dot O-R-G, and then look at the donate page. We are a 501c3 ministry, and maybe you can help us out as we spread these podcasts and this information about heaven and about the God of heaven and the kingdom of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ's salvation to all parts of the world. We have students right now both in the United States and outside of the United States, and we just want to continue on and reaching them. Now, as I continue on in our series, verse by verse into Revelation, we're going to talk about something very, very fearful. In Revelation chapter 6, we have already seen a scene in heaven of those that have died, the martyrs. In Revelation chapter 6, we look in the fifth seal, and they are coming out and questioning the Lord. We talked about that on our last podcast. We've also seen the beauty of heaven in Revelation chapter 4, and the singing of heaven, and the rejoicing of heaven. But now we're going to see as the scene turns to the earth, and then what happens, God is judging and showing his judgment, and indeed his wrath, upon those that rebel against him, and rebel against and persecute his children. You know, we see this, and we're going to find that the strongest of people are going to have an incredible fear on what's going on. And I was looking at this. See, I taught sociology and psychology in a college prep uh, school uh, for over a decade. And one of the things we would talk about is phobias. What are people afraid of? And when you take a look at a list, you can find out that there are a wide variety of fears that people have that they've actually given names to. Uh, astrophobia is the fear of outer space. Autophobia is the fear of being alone. Uh, bacteriophobia is obviously the fear of bacteria. Uh, chromophobia is the fear of colors. Chronometrophobia, I think I've pronounced that right, is the fear of clocks. And maybe you've heard of cyberphobia. That's the fear of computers. Equinophobia is the fear of horses. Gynophobia is the fear of women. Hophophobia is the fear of touch. And you can go on and on and on. I mean, they are of all shapes and sizes. Pathophobia is the fear of disease. Papyrophobia is the fear of paper. And phobophobia is the fear of phobias. Now, you have all of these fears that come from uh, people, and it might be because of an incident in their life, or maybe it is something that has been brought up and they have actually built up to an unreasonable point in their imaginations. And, you know, who knows uh, on that? 
But when we see these different things here, we realize that some people are genuinely, genuinely scared of things around them. When we take a look at the Bible, we see something that even the strongest are afraid of. And I want to show you something in Luke chapter 21, which talks about that. Now, we're looking in Luke chapter 21, and I'm going to ask if you would take your notes to follow this. Start in verse 25. The Lord has been asked, the Lord Jesus Christ has been asked by the disciples, please give us an idea of the end times. Tell us when these things are going to be. The kingdom, what's this all about? And so you're going to see parallel passages in the Gospels that talk about the return of Jesus Christ. You'll find them in Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and here in Luke chapter 21. I want to give you two, well, really three verses. Let's go Luke chapter 21, verse 25 through 27. Listen very carefully because this will tie into what we're reading in Revelation chapter 6. This is from Jesus himself. And there shall be signs in the sun, this is the end times now, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, that means great confusion, the sea and the waves roaring, even nature is rebelling in this time, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Once again, we're looking into the sky for that. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. What a powerful passage this is. And I want to show you something. Not only will there be judgments on earth and shaking on earth, there'll be shaking in heaven. What does it say here? Signs in the sun, moon, stars. And then it tells us then the powers of heaven shall be shaken. We'll see this more in Revelation chapter 6. But I wanted you to see this. This phrase that says men's hearts failing them for fear. Do you know, you look at this word, apopsico. Apopsico literally means that they would die. Their hearts would fail them and in the, you know, the, the expiration sense. To, uh, I have this here under Strong's Concordance, and it says apopsico, <coughs> excuse me, is to breathe out life, to expire. It can mean to faint or swoon away, but that's the second definition. And when it tells you here that your hearts are failing, apopsico is telling you that people will actually die from the stupefying fright of what is going on here. Their hearts are going to fail. Listen, if you saw the sun in the sky shaking about, the stars in the night sky moving about, everything is unsteady. And then you're going to see in face-to-face no longer any judgments coming through man that has happened. The first four of the seals will talk about the deceit among men, the warring among men, uh, Satan moving among humans and bringing about famine and death. But now, with those judgments that God has allowed men to be the movers and the channels of these judgments, now that's pushed away, and in chapter 6, it's God himself. Let me read here. John is talking here, chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. I looked when Jesus opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. 
Stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who's able to stand? You see a most horrifying situation, thing, uh, incident that happens to the unregenerate, to the ones who have faced the Lord and rejected his gracious plan of salvation. They finish up with a question, a rhetorical question. Who can stand against this? The sixth seal is now mentioned, and when we see this, this is a, a very, very powerful, powerful uh, the prophecies have told us that these great judgments are coming. And it tells us in Joel chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, one of the prophetic passages on this, the sun and moon will grow dark. The stars will diminish their brightness for the day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? Did you see the question? That's just what it's saying in verse 17. Who can stand against these things? Zephaniah tells you also about this as well. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. The great day of the Lord is near. It's near. It hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord. See, the, the phrase day of the Lord is a phrase of judgment. The day of the Lord. It's a, it's a phrase used many times as a day of judgment. Their mighty men shall cry out. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble, distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities and against the high towers. Indeed, you see it here. When the great earthquake happens, this is a very, very powerful uh, illustration here because of one thing. When we see the earthquake here, the word seismos means a great shaking. It doesn't mean it's limited to the earth. Because when you take a look at this, what happens? Look at the shaking. Look at verse 13. Then the meteorite shower. It's like a fig tree. The untimely figs come down when a wind goes. So the skies are shaken. The sun is so disheveled in the moon, they become darkened here. The heaven opens up, but notice this. In the shaking, the mountains and islands, everyone were moved out of their places. Now, one of the most common words in the book of Revelation, two of the most common words are like and as, because John is making a comparison with his limited knowledge. This is as if it happens here, or that's like a scorpion. You know what I'm talking about here. But it says here, the description of the island and mountains, there's no like or as. They were moved out of their places. How many? Every mountain, every island has gone under a seismic shaking, a shift moving. But what is most striking here as you see all this is something that comes in the sky. Understand this now. As you look at this, Verse 15 says, judgment comes upon anybody rebellious. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how athletic or popular you are. Kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the chief captains, the mighty men. And then it says every slave, 
and just a commoner free man hid themselves in the den in the rocks of the mountains, insane with their fear, they are asking a suicidal cry, fallenness to the mountains and rocks, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. They have been warned and warned and they've rejected it. But did you notice through all of this, what is it that causes them to fear? It's not the earthquake. It's not the moon turning to the color of a thick blood. It's not the sun going dark. It's not the meteorite shower crashing down on earth. It's looking at the judge of all time. It's understanding then that what he's saying is worse than death itself. He is saying, I'm going to judge your soul. Of all of the things happening, when the sky rips open, probably from the east to the west, like you would open up a scroll, and there is the one that sits on the throne, and they are terrified from even looking at his face. Isn't that something? Revelation 22.4, for the Christian, one of the great joys. Revelation 22.4, we get to see him face to face. This was promised by Jesus. In, Reve- in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, we shall see him face to face. And But what is it saying here? But if you have sinned, you are not justified by what Jesus has done on the cross as the mediator. Remember 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God and there's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man Christ Jesus. That's why he says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And they haven't come to the Father. So what happens? Rather than running to the Father, they are running from the judge. They're running from, may I say this in a broad sense of the word, the executioner, the lamb. We see the lamb as a gentle and caring one that will lead us, Revelation 7, verse 17. But here, it is a wrathful lamb. And verse 16 says they will run from that as well. When we see this, we see all of these judgments. What is happening here? We are seeing, once again, I'll emphasize, Revelation is the book of opposites. What secular man would assume is permanent is now shown to be incredibly temporary. A man says, I got my own two feet on the ground. What if the ground isn't there for you to put your feet on? What if it's moving so much you can't keep a stand? Well, as the sun comes up in the morning, what if it doesn't come up in the morning? What if it comes up, it's dark into the place that you can't tell when the sun comes up? These things will all happen. At the end, when man goes to his own resources, he will realize those resources come from God the Father. Yahweh, the self-existent one, does not need mankind. He does not need water. He does not need creation, nor music or food. He is self-sufficient. Why does he need us? He loves us. And the grand and wonderful, fantastic mystery of all time, God says, I'm giving you an invitation to be on my side. And the Christian runs to that and finds the finished work of the cross and what Jesus has done for us. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14 in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, it tells us, in his name we have forgiveness of sins. Look at all this, the promises of what Jesus has done once for all. Romans chapter 6 and verse 10. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. One time covered all of this, but now that time has passed. And the terror that comes out here is so much that the greatest of kings, the most put together of the human race, is falling apart in 
mind-numbing terror. And, as I see in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, some actually will stroke out, will die, will have a heart attack because of the fear. Can you imagine this? This loving, benevolent father who has told the believer, when you come over, you know I've loved you with an everlasting love. As you see in the scripture, it tells us that in, in 1 Thessalonians that God has, does not desire that anybody would uh, go into wrath. As a matter of fact, it tells us in Rev Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 that we've been saved from wrath. God has made a way of escape on that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, God's not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 tells you about the same thing. Not wanting that any should perish, that all should reach repentance. This is God's desire. But someone says, I don't care. I'll take you on, God. He says, oh, you have no idea. You know, there are many times when we are overcome by the magnificence of the Lord, the greatness that goes beyond us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, on the things that are prepared for those who love him. But also look here in this, just in this handful of verses, the terror of what's happened, the grand shaking of the universe. Everything is moving. There's a cataclysmic event. No doubt whole forests are being brought down because of this shaking. Houses are demolished. And yet you don't see them crying because of material things, not because of their physical hurt from being knocked down, but by seeing the judging one in the sky. It's a terrifying thing. This is why it tells us, Christian, in the first three verses of Revelation, it tells us, in these things we need to take heed and to warn others. And should an unsaved person, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not called upon Christ as Savior, this is your future. It's being talked about right here. But in coming to him, I'll remind you, God has no desire that anybody should perish, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, but that all should reach repentance. And he is offering that to you. And the very uh, instance of you staying here, listening to this podcast in your car or at work or in your leisure, and you're following this, is telling us something. You have been given an opportunity to make a decision. Would you make that one today? Revelation chapter 6, the terror on the universe in God's day of wrath. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk some more as we move into Revelation chapter 7 in our next podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.